I'm Alex Melleris. And I'm Taisei Fu. And we're recording a day early, uh, which has some benefits. One of them is that this won't be out of date as quickly as it would have been if we recorded tomorrow. Uh, but it also has some drawbacks, such as uh, we don't have all the information that we would have tomorrow because we are assuming there will be some more trades or, or something of that nature. Yeah, pretty much just trades over the next 24 hours. But we had to record today and we do have plenty of content anyway. And before we get to all the deals that have gone down recently and are still going down as we record, including David Savard that going to Tampa that just came out a couple of minutes ago, uh, we are going to start with the Canadians because they actually had somewhat of a uh, a newsworthy week and the biggest piece of news is that Brendan Gallagher is out for six weeks going on LTIR probably going to even miss a little bit at the start of the playoffs which is far less than ideal but the silver lining that everyone kept point- pointing out is that this frees up about 3.75 million dollars of cap space that the Canadians now have some flexibility to deal with at the trade deadline if they would like to add another piece Right. So, uh, yeah, first of all, it's it's a pretty, it's a rough loss. But, you know, considering where the Habs are in the standings, it could be certainly worse because, what, they're, uh, they're at 37 games played, they are eight points ahead of the Canucks and they're, they've played the same number of games. And so, you know, I'm like, like the, the 100% guarantee that I made like a million years ago seems to be, uh, we're, seems to, it seems to be back on track right now. And so, you know, as for the record, like Gallagher missing the rest of the season, I don't think that's just a huge loss because the Habs are basically locked into that, like, into a playoff spot. And in terms of moving up and down versus the, in the standings against maybe the Jets, leapfrogging the Oilers, well, I didn't really have much hope to begin with. So, you know, we'll see how that turns out. But, you know, it certainly sucks to see Gallagher, uh, you know, injured or, like, certainly one of the best forwards on the team. But, uh, you know, hopefully he can get back in time for the playoffs uh, where. And so they don't get, you know, two whacks by the Leafs in the first round. Um, but aside from that, yeah, the cap space. So that, that was the thing that, that uh, you know, Bergevin keeps on talking about in his press conferences when it comes to the trade deadline. He keeps talking about, oh, I have no cap space. I have no cap space. Well, here we go. Here's your cap space. Um, so, yeah, it was like three point something million dollars. And like there, there's your room. You have, the, you have the draft capital for sure. We keep talking about it. And yeah, now now it opens up the room. Uh, it, ups, opens, it opens up the room to get someone... Uh, Maybe to shore up the defense, as uh, I know you've been asking for for a while now. Yeah. Uh, well, this for with a Gallagher injury, this is one of the benefits of constructing a roster uh, that has like a focus on depth rather than high-end talent. Well, one of the very few bright spots, I think, is that your best forward gets injured, and it's it's not necessarily or definitely shouldn't be something that sinks your team. In terms of this extra cap space, I think Bergevin will use it. I think he's going to make an addition soon. I don't think he's going to use up all of it. Uh, but I'm worried. Not necessarily worried. I don't think that whatever deal he does make, especially if it's to address the defense, is going to be something I like. Uh, apparently, he had been kind of kicking tires on David Savard. That's off the table now. Uh, that would have been a super nice bottom pairing addition. Um, but we here's the thing, is that any addition they make to the defense, even if I like it, I'll be like, okay, well, that just you're knocking like Victor Mate out of the lineup instead of Joel Edmondson. And I know we we harp on Joel Edmondson a lot, but it's for a reason. And the reason is that Joel Edmondson should not be playing, or at the very least, he should not be playing every single night. 
And also, by the way, kind of a sidetrack, he shouldn't be on the ice when you're down a goal with a minute and a half left against the Winnipeg Jets. But that's that's a little bit of a, a digression. Anyway, basically, what I'm trying to say is that I don't think Mark Bergevin is going to acquire the type of defenseman that I can get excited about. Uh, I don't remember who it was. It might have been Jennifer Botterill on uh, Hockey Night, not Hockey Night Canada, just on Sportsnet the other night. They were talking about what Montreal might do at the deadline. And she said, they, oh, maybe they need to add some sandpaper to that bottom pairing of Mete and, and Romanov. And I said, sandpaper on defense is one thing Montreal has absolutely plenty of and doesn't need to add any more of. Thank you very much. Joel Edmondson, Shea Weber, Ben Chirot when he returns. I will provide plenty of, of toughness and grit. All right. I'm not I'm not holding out for like Matthias Ekholm anymore. I don't expect that to happen. But if they acquire another Joel Edmondson type that pushes Victor Matei out of the lineup, which by the way, Matei's not even playing tonight. Uh, Otto Leskinen is getting into his season debut, which I'm kind of excited to watch him. But anyway, if you acquire a defenseman that knocks Matei out of the lineup or even like knocks Romanov out of the lineup when it's fully healthy and they're like a Joel Edmondson style of player, I'm not going to be happy about it. Yeah. I mean, look, the sandpaper, that's not... We don't need sandpaper. First of all, I I don't think we agree that sand, building a defense based on sandpaper is the right approach. But uh, yeah, just given the fact that like two thirds of your defense is just pure sandpaper and a couple of the dudes, that's all they bring and nothing else. Uh, shout out Joel Edmondson. Um, you really, I don't know what Jennifer Barrow is saying. And well, you know what? I don't blame her. I'm sure that's like a view that's, uh, I'm sure Bergeray thinks that as well. So, uh, you know, it look, not what they need right now. Clearly, this defense is ailing on the ice uh, and they're getting exposed for being slow and for not being able to really carry the puck properly and drive play. Uh, and that's been the problem all year with this defense. All right. And, you know, bringing another guy to replace the du- one of the dudes who, like, can carry the puck in Victor Mete, well, uh, like, that's not the move to go. Uh, and, yeah, you make a good point. Do we trust Mark Bergevin to bring in a guy who can carry the puck on defense? The answer is no. Uh, and... I mean, guys, we could have targeted. Like, I know Brandon Mortor, he got traded, just got traded the other day. Uh, and he's not anyway. particularly good. What's that? Say that again. I just said I don't like him anyway. I wouldn't have wanted Brandon Montour. Fair enough. But I think he's like, you know, less of a sandpaper guy than maybe some of the others, somebody that Mark Bergman could bring in. So, but uh, anyways, that's beyond the point because he's already he's more been of traded. just a paper um, guy. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But. You know, maybe, maybe you take a flyer in Nikita Gusev, who just got, who seems to be, uh, he's about to get bought out. Uh, I don't freaking know anymore. Another Look, winger? Like the, the, I don't think so. Yeah, that's fair. But like, there's this market stinks. The trade market stinks. It's, uh, there's really nobody on the market unless you want to take a run at Taylor Hall. But, you know, eh, uh, lukewarm on that too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, but yeah, the options on I'm, the market this year just aren't very good. I'm pretty sure any move Bergevin does make would be a defenseman. Uh, he made Eric Stahl, added that to the center, you know, and, and when they're fully healthy at forward, they have more than enough pieces. I think defense is what he's going to be looking at. Let's let's pull up the, the TSN trade bait board. Why don't we take a look at uh, the list of names? By the way, I'd actually, I'd mentioned to you Vince Dunn a couple of days, a days, days ago as a possibility that was kind of interesting. Uh, then we found out, uh, well, we didn't find out. It had happened like a couple of days later. Uh, that he said the N-word on a Twitch uh, Twitch stream while singing along and uh, to, to some song. And then when someone called him out about it, he sent a bunch of people to go spam her. So uh, please don't bring Vince Dunn to the Montreal Canadiens. Anyway, looking at the TSN list, Jamie Alexiak is there. 
I don't know if Dallas is actually that interested in trading him, though. They might still think they have a shot at the playoffs. Uh, Josh Manson is there. Uh, I mean, kind of a sandpaper guy, but more effective than Joel Edmondson, uh, for sure. Uh, Ekholm is still here. I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, Zadarov, no thanks. Kulikov, no thanks. Colin Miller, no thanks. If they brought back Mike Riley from Ottawa, I don't know. I kind of liked him, and apparently he's doing better this year than ever before. I wouldn't mind someone like that. Or Ryan Murray. All right. Well, a, you know it's a rough time when you're asking for fucking Mike Riley back on the team. Um, no matter how well he's playing, it's freaking Mike Riley. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, I don't, I don't really think any of these dudes move the needle particularly much, you know? So like, if you make a team, if, if he makes a trade, it's, uh, you know, I'll just, I'll probably just give it a shrug because honestly, like how much of a difference can you make at this point um, with the, with the dudes that are available? It's just, it really seems it's a very limited market this year. Uh, and I mean, sure. Add Mike Riley and we could talk about it for a week, but like how many minutes is he really playing on a team where, you know, it's sandpaper all the time because that's what Bergman likes. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, I guess. Is that even if they do make a like a nice trade for Mike Riley, uh, there's a pretty good chance he gets I don't know healthy scratched half the time, uh, in favor yeah, of exactly. of course Joel Edmonton. Uh, yeah. But anyway, let's also talk about uh, Carey Price, who is injured, and unlike past seasons, this time Carey Price was injured. I said, good thing we have Jake Allen, who I have full faith in, uh, to carry the load, however long Carey Price is out for. Uh, Jake Allen lost back-to-back nights, not ideal by any stretch. Uh, but what I was really, uh, kind of confused about was why is Jake Allen playing on a back-to-back? Is it, shouldn't you like never play a goalie on a back-to-back? Like, I know maybe you don't see Caden Primo as an NHL goalie. Maybe. I don't know. I would have definitely given Caden Primo one of those starts. And we saw the second night uh, of the back-to-back, Jake Allen let, let in a couple softies in the first period. It was not his strongest game at all. And, I mean, when you just played the night before, you can probably expect to not be on the top of your game. And I would have loved to see Caden Primo get into some NHL action, especially considering he might end up being the backup next season. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I don't know, that's a head-scratcher. And I'm still scratching my head a couple days later because uh, what the hell was that about? Um, Jake Allen is not a guy... I don't care if your start is injured. Jake Allen's not the guy that you're playing both halves on a back-to-back on. Uh, yeah, you shouldn't really doing, be doing that with any goalie, let alone your backup goalie. Um, no, I don't care how good of a season he's having. Uh, and yeah, why don't you start Primo? I mean, it's not like it'd be his first game ever. He's had the experience. He's played a couple games last year. And yeah, head scratcher. And yeah, absolutely. The resort, like you looked at the game that Jake Allen had against the Jets. And well, you know, he wasn't very fucking good. And they were down 3-1 all of a sudden. And they were never be able to... Uh, they're never they're never able to claw back against the team that they're chasing in the standings. So uh, you know, I you could you could make the argument, I think, given that they basically lost by one goal, um, that maybe that goaltending decision cost them. Maybe if you put in like a fresh face like Primo, who you know motivated in his first NHL action of the season, uh, maybe that makes a difference. Uh, and I don't understand why they didn't take the shot there. I mean, right, he's playing for Laval right now. Like that's very close. Not a big deal. Just bring him down to the Bell Center and uh, play him. And I don't, it's just, uh, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why are you playing Jake Allen on both halves of a back-to-back? That's completely baffling to me. Um, of all the people you don't want to, you know, overwork, it's Jake Allen is definitely one of them. Just because, well, A, he's one of, he's like your best goalie this year. So you don't want to run him into the ground. And B, he's still a backup goaltender. Um, so, you know, 
I don't know what the hell that was about, but I mean, it didn't seem like a very smart decision before the game. And then like during the game, it clearly turned out to be the poor decision because uh, yeah, I'm thoroughly convinced that Caden Primo would have been the right move there. And even if he wasn't, even if he was bad and they lost, all right, at least Jake Allen would have gotten some rest because we don't know when Carey Price is going to be back. And so he seems to be the guy moving forward for God knows who long, how long. And so why are you uh, playing him on both sides of the back-to-back? No idea. No idea whatsoever. Yeah, you talk about bringing Primo down to the Bell Center. He was already there. He was the backup on the bench, not oh, Charlie Lindgren. Right. So so that wouldn't have even been uh, an extra leap they had to make because he was sitting there on the bench. I'm pretty sure it was him uh, for both games. Uh, but anyway, you know what I feel like this week has kind of been? Uh, they made that, that nice comeback in the third period against the Oilers on Monday. Eric Stahl in his Habs debut, scoring the OT winner, their first overtime goal of the season. That was a super nice moment. Uh, but but let's not ignore the fact that they were very close to a, an 0-3 week. Uh, but they weren't, though. They won that one. They beat the Oilers. They lost to the Leafs. They lost to the Jets. It feels like they're really getting comfortable setting into their role as the fourth best team in the in the North Division. Uh, it seems like really they're playing like that's exactly where they're meant to be. Uh, they're just kind of like, you know, oh, yeah, we, we played all right against the Leafs, but they're better than us. Oh, we played all right against the Jets, except the first period that was absolutely terrible. And so they beat us, too. And it's not like they're getting blown out. They're generally close games, but they're losing because they're simply not as good as those teams. Yeah, so I think settled in is exactly the right term to use for uh, the Habs right now. Settled into the fourth spot. I don't think Vancouver... Uh, is really posing any sort of threat. Calgary certainly isn't the way they're playing. Uh, and yeah, they just look outclassed, especially against the Leafs. It's like, you know, like, what are they? They've played five, ga- five games so far against the Leafs. They've lost four of them. Uh, and it's like every game, you know, like, it's not a blowout most times. It's just, you know, they. it's just that it's like, it's like the Leafs are a step above. Uh, really in all facets of the game, whether it's goaltending, we can talk about Jack Campbell in a bit. Uh, but, you know, he was, he was perfectly fine. And... You know, it's just like that. It's like the Leafs players were better than the Habs. And I mean, like it, it was a bit, there's a bit of back and forth. You know, the Habs do the thing where they have a slow start. They let in a goal early uh, and then they, it feels like they're kind of playing catch up all game. Like I understand they tied it right after, but even then it just kind of feels like, uh oh, well now we wait for the next Leafs goal to happen. And that seems to be exactly what happens every single freaking time. Uh, so, you know, and that was that. And they're, you know, they're, by the end of the game, they're not able to tie it up. Uh, and the Jets... You know, the Jets played like they usually do. Like, they, they got outshot by the Habs. But, you know, Connor Hellbuck was, was Connor Hellbuck. And, I mean, you give them a lead and they just kind of lean on Hellbuck for the rest of the game. And so, yeah, like, they, they did a whole tour of the, the teams above them in the standings this week. And, uh, I mean, it didn't, very, it didn't inspire much confidence heading into the playoffs in, uh, in a little while. And, yeah, despite the fact that they beat the Oilers, they, that very well could have been a loss. And, uh, but, yeah, shout out to Eric Stahl. First game, first overtime winner. A plus. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Corey Perry. Um, he, of course, had a great game against the Leafs. He scored both of the Canadians' goals in that 3-2 to two loss. Uh, but I am a little bit concerned with how much Ducharme seems to be leaning on Corey Perry. Like, I, I know he's still good. He's proven that. He still has a lot left in the tank. Um, especially after being healthy scratched or being on the taxi squad a lot to start the year, kind of seems like he has a bit of a chip on his shoulder, which is it's nice how well Corey Perry is playing. However, I'm worried that Corey Perry is getting so much ice time now and is getting put in so many important positions that by the time we do get to the playoffs, he's going to have nothing left in the tank. 
Um, this is the type of player that using load management with is probably smart. That doesn't even necessarily mean uh, healthy scratching him every now and then, even though I wouldn't mind to see Dominic Ducharme let Corey Perry take a couple nights off every now and then. It could also just mean, you know, hey, we'll, we'll only play you like 10 minutes tonight. Or, you know, even if you oh, will only put you like on the, on the power play, maybe not only on the power play, but like the f- I feel like in every offensive zone start, I'm seeing Corey Perry now, now playing hard minutes. And I think it might be a bit much. I think it might be a bit much. And it's also kind of maybe a little bit concerning that they're like, oh, we need a goal. Let's go to 36-year-old, almost league minimum, Corey Perry. Yeah, so first of all, I think you're absolutely right on the load management point. I mean, this guy's 35 years old. He's played a bunch of hard miles throughout his career. And so, yeah, you shouldn't be leaning on him uh, during the games. He shouldn't be your key guy. But the problem is here, he is their key guy because it seems like, you know, like he's the he's Mr. Clutch now all of a sudden. And I think that's more an indictment of the rest of the roster. And, you know, they no, like nobody has really been able to consistently get it going. You know, like you look at that, that you know, Gallagher, Deno, and Tatar line before, you know, Gallagher got injured. They had nice spurts every so often. But really... Nobody was really that consistent, you know, throughout the team, except Corey Perry. And, well, in that case, if you're Dominic Ducharme, what the hell are you going to do? Huh? If, if you have one guy who seems to be the only dude who can score consistently, well, what, you're not going to put him on the ice and, uh, you know, lose a bunch of games? Because, yeah, like, he's the only guy to score, it seems like. It seems like every time the Habs need a goal to tie the game or something, oh, and I, oh look, it's Corey Perry who scored another one. And that's great. And that's a great pickup by Mark Bergevin. But, frankly, the rest of the roster is kind of, like, the rest of the forwards in terms of scoring have kind of been disappointing, which is the reason why... He's being leaned on so much in the first place. Uh, and so, you know, I look at that. I don't blame Ducharme so much for uh, leaning on Corey Perry because, you know, I probably would do the same thing if I was him. Um, because uh, it seems like the roster really can't score that much and the offense has kind of dried up since the beginning of the season. Um, and, you know, that's where I would put my blame more. Like, Ducharme can't really get the offense going too much more than Ducharme is leaning on Corey Perry too much, you know? Yeah, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Uh, speaking of, of forwards who aren't disappointing, which is exactly the opposite of what we were just speaking of, but I'm going to continue forward with his awful segue to Cole Caulfield. Uh, he was amazing last night in his Laval Rocket debut. I watched it. He was always noticeable. Every time he was on the ice, he was making stuff happen. He was making nice passes, getting generating scoring chances. He was great on the power play. Looks like he'd been playing with that team for five years. Uh, and of course, two goals and an assist. Uh, one of the goal, one of his goals was on the power play, and the game-winning goal. Wow, what what a nice, nice break up the left wing shot. Gets his own rebound. It was wonderful. Not to mention, he was confirmed as the winner of the Hobie Baker Award not long before his professional debut. Very nice day for Cole Caulfield, and I'm super excited for him to get a chance with the Canadians whenever that may come. Pierre LeBrun, I think, seems convinced that Cole Caulfield is going to finish the season in the NHL. I stand by the fact that I don't really see how that's going to happen. And, but I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be opposed to the idea at all. Whenever it happens, once again, I'll reiterate, it's going to be absolute party time for me whenever Cole Caulfield makes his NHL debut. Man, his, uh, his development path, that hype train, is uh, it just keeps getting faster? It seems every single fucking week. And so yeah, you mentioned the Hobie Baker. He won that in a walk. That was uh, no surprise whatsoever, given the season. And we talked about it last week. Uh, and yeah, what a just a wonderful pro- professional debut. As you said, he looked like he looked like absolutely like he belonged there. And he brought exactly the tools that we you expected when you drafted the guy when he somehow fell to 15th overall a couple years ago. Uh, and yeah, just the excitement is there. And I'm pretty sure my take was that you know. 
why not? Why don't you put the guy in the NHL? You know, spice things up a little bit. And I mean, the way he's performing the AHL, I understand it's an extremely small sample size, one game as small as it can get. But uh, yeah, he looked buzzing from the highlights that I saw. I didn't watch the I didn't watch the Laval game. Uh, but uh, hell yeah, the excitement's there, and uh, it's almost called Cole Caulfield time. And it seems that uh, well, he's getting more and more. He's getting closer to a shoe in for the for the roster next season. Uh, oh, for you know, sure. Way his development is gone. Awesome. Yeah, for sure next season, if not by the end of this one. Uh, not to mention he was wearing number 44, uh, fully canceling out all the bad vibes I've been associating with number 44 up to this point in the season. Um, I mentioned to you right before we started recording that I had forgot to make a quiz, uh, but I made one super fast. And now I'm wishing I had made my quiz about the Hobie Baker Award uh, because I'm, I'm looking right now at the list of Hobie Baker winners. Uh, it's an extremely mi- mixed bag. Uh, would you like me to read you some of them? All right, let's hear it. Okay, so starting in 2021 and moving backwards, we have Cole Caulfield, Scott Perunovic, Kale McCarr, Adam Gaudette, Will Butcher, Jimmy Vesey, Jack Eichel, Johnny Gaudreau, Drew LeBlanc, Jack Connolly, Andy Miele, Blake Jeffreyon, remember him, former Montreal Canadian. Matt Gilroy, Kevin Porter, Ryan Duncan. Uh, that's three consecutive players that I, I know nothing about. Matt Carl, Marty Serdich, Junior Lessard. His first name is Junior. Um, <laughs> honestly, pre like 2013, the only like star players I see on this list are Ryan Miller and Chris Drury and Paul Correa from 1993 uh, before we get back to, like, the 80s. But you look over the past, I don't know, eight years or so, Goudreau, Eichel, Makar, a couple star players in there, and the rest of them, except Scott Prunovich, uh, at least not yet, are uh, are competent NHLers over the past eight years. Yeah, well, we can expect Cole Caulfield to be better than every single one of them. Best ever Hobie oh, Baker sure. Award. You can already book it. All right. Best ever NHL oh. hockey player. Mm-hmm. Not even close. Um, and he hasn't even touched a puck in the NHL yet. We can already crown our king. All right. So, um, yeah, so it's trade deadline week. Moving off for the Habs uh, news. It's trade deadline week. It's in a couple days uh, at this point. And, uh, yeah, we're slowly getting, you know, a steady trickle of trades. No huge names. Or, like, you know, people that most people will certainly recognize in the if you're an NHL fan. And so... Uh, I guess we'll start with a big one that I think also was the chronologically the first one as the uh, the Islanders acquire a couple of uh, forwards from the Devils. Would you like me to take it away? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Here I go. All right, so this deal was Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac for first-round pick, fourth-round pick that I think could turn into a third if the Islanders make the Stanley Cup final, plus A.J. Greer and Mason Jobst. Um, so Lou Lamarillo, of course former GM of the Devils. I think he might have been the one to trade for Kyle Palmieri when he was with the Devils before leaving to go to the Leafs like under a month later, if I'm remembering that correctly. Of course, Travis Zajac uh, was on the Devils for a very long time. Kind of same as Andy Green, actually, who you might remember Lou traded for last year's deadline and still is on the Islanders. So so Lou's just collecting a bunch of former Devils uh, with uh, with his new-ish team, New York Islanders. 
a lot of praise was being sent to the Islanders for this one. Um, and I, I think I would probably tend to agree with it. Kind of weird, though, that the Islanders appear so willing to give up their first-round pick again. You'll remember they gave up first, second, and third for Pajot last year. Now they're giving up another first-rounder. It'll catch up to them eventually, I assume. Uh, Lou, though, as we've mentioned a couple times, being, I think, like almost 80 years old, I think that may play into perhaps why he isn't so so eager on holding on to all his draft picks when he could, you know, try to make make another run, a deep run in the playoffs, try to, try to win a Stanley Cup. I don't know how much faith I have in this team to win the Stanley Cup, but Palmieri and Zajac definitely improve their chances, at least incrementally. Yeah, I mean, look, they're in contention for the top of the division right now in the East, and why the hell not? If, if you're Lou Lamorello, especially if you're Lou Lamorello, why the hell not? I mean, you know, we don't know how long his career is going to be moving forward, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, I I think you're getting him at a very good price. I mean, Paul Berry, uh, you're, you're basically replacing Anders Lee at that point. Uh, you know, we were, everybody was wondering, you know, after... He, Lee got injured. Like, how are they going to replace the scoring that he brought? Well, it seems at least part of the answer is here. You get a nice little depth piece of Travis Zajac, um, who Lou is obviously familiar with. And with the Culpepper thing, I always think it's always the, the it's like it's almost a bit at this point. It's funny how like you know like Lou has his like shave the beard thing, um, and like whenever he acquires a player with like like a notorious or like a pretty famous beard, like Paul Mary's like had a beard forever for as long as I can remember. Um, everybody's like, oh, he's gonna make him shave it. Um, as if like there's a chance that it wouldn't happen, and then like within like two hours, the team releases a picture and it's fresh shaven. You're like, I don't even fucking recognize this guy. I think that's pretty funny. Um, but uh, aside from that, I mean, like, look, first first round pick. I mean, look look at the look at where the Islanders are going to be uh, in the standings. I mean, that's not going to be particularly high. And I mean, it's it's going to be a weak draft. Nobody's played in a year, and so and like the the two prospects are, are from what I see. Uh, nobody's nobody particularly promising uh and all in all i mean if you're putting all your chips on the table um trying to make a deep run and i mean with the system they play with barry trots behind the bench why the hell not i mean i think all in all a very nice trade for lou uh you know future be damned you know okay well first of all uh greer and jobst aren't really prospects especially not jobst i think he's like 27 it's pretty much just uh contract slots they kept even pretty much just oh, okay. bodies uh for so it's really pretty much just for the first and the fourth round to pick do we want to talk about that beard stuff now because i mean it always seemed kind of weird to me and to a lot of people i think uh and you know any any time someone is like trying to be the controlling of like their employees bodies that's a big red flag to begin with um and Many people actually point out yesterday at the, the Islanders' Twitter account, flaunting Palmieri's shaven face. Like, if the NHL ever gets to a point where it's more racially or culturally, relig- religiously diverse, and Lou Lamorello or someone like him still has a policy like it, that could be a big problem. If because there are plenty of cultures who require them, uh, require people to to have beards, or people who simply want to have a beard for any reason, they get traded to the Islanders. And it's their will. They say, no, I don't want to shave my beard. Uh, what's a little, he, maybe he'll make an exception. He has made, he has made some like exceptions for dumb rules that he has in the past. I know. Uh, and to be fair, 
I was actually listening to Staffing Graph yesterday, and Rachel Dory pointed out that it's actually been over 10 years since Lou Lamorello asked somebody to shave their beard. Pretty much every time someone gets traded to Lou's team, they just shave without even having to be told. Uh, which, I mean, maybe Lou doesn't even have that rule anymore, and he's just like, oh, everyone keeps shaving, I don't know why. Uh, which would be kind of funny. Um, but I would be very interested in what would happen if someone didn't want to shave their beard. Uh, if Lou would, I mean, Lou can't force them to. Yeah, I make you make a good point. I, yeah, I had to consider like that before. I mean, yeah, from an, like, if you're an inclusivity perspective, I guess, you know, making everybody shave their beards is, uh, not the best thing to say the least. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, fuck. What do you like? It's, 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 it's old white man culture here. So like, you know, what do you expect? And, uh, dumb rules like this. It's like, it's kind of ingrained in here, you know? Uh, you don't even really give it a second thought. Um, but, like, the, the, the question still stands. Like, what the hell, like, you may, you ask a good question, what the hell would he even do if someone said no, you know? Um, but, yeah, not, I'm sure it's not a great culture if you want to keep your beard, especially if that's your, if that's a religious belief you hold or something. Um, yeah, I, had, I hadn't actually, you, may, you bring up a good point, I actually hadn't considered it in that way. Uh, before when it comes to this beard rule. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that so many people haven't thought of it that way is because so none of these players have ever thought of it that way. There's like, oh, yeah, it's just Lou. And they don't even consider an issue. They don't even give it a second thought that they're being like told what to put on their face. So it kind of tracks that so many of us fans don't really think about it that much. And I hadn't really thought about it too much until I saw people bring it up uh on my timeline after the Islanders being like, Ka Palmieri, look at him go, shaving his face for to be on the New York Islanders. And people are like, hmm, that's that could be somewhat troublesome. Uh, but anyway, do we want to move on to some of the other deals that have been made more recently? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. So uh, we got a whole list. Where do we start? Uh let's start with let's start with Brandon Montour. because uh, that one's fun, I think, because of how badly it looks on both teams that made the deal. Uh, from Florida's perspective, they are getting one of the worst defensemen in the NHL. Uh, Brandon Montour has been awful uh, ever since he joined Buffalo, and he was even trending downward before he was traded to Buffalo, back when he was still on the Ducks. Actually, kind of not really related, but I saw a screen grab from a couple of years ago of uh, being like, Nick Kiprios' trade idea. Toronto trades William Nylander to Anaheim for Nick Ritchie and Brandon Montour. And people were dunking on it once again. Uh, but anyway, Jay Fresh like, like tweets out like his player cards when people get traded, which basically they're like, there's a bunch of information on them, but the big thing that people look at is the wins above replacement percentile compared to other players of your position, which shows basically in a very simple and understandable way uh, how this player compares to other players of the same position and how, how basically how good they are. And Brandon Montour, I think, was like the, the fourth percentile or something uh, really low like that. So, so really, this is a bottom of the barrel player, bottom of the barrel player who doesn't impact his team very positively. So from that perspective, Panthers, what are you doing acquiring this guy? Now, from Buffalo's point of view, they traded a late first-round pick and Brennan Gooley for this guy, who they then drove his value into the ground and, and parlayed him into a third-round pick a couple years later. Ass poor, 
asset management from the Buffalo Sabres, exactly what we've come to expect from them. But honestly, good on Kevin Adams because he's not the one who made the first Brandon Montour trade. So good on him for getting a third-round pick out of this terrible player. Yeah, so the Sabres do what the Sabres do, you know. Uh, classic move, you give up a first, and then you trade him for a third. Um, you know, it's the reverse, <laughs> what was it? The reverse Scandella, so to speak. Um, uh, yes. But, you know, for the, for the Panthers, I don't hate, hate it. You know, because, look, I think a third-round pick is pricey for a guy who sucks. But, you know, like, so maybe in a different world, though, where they traded maybe a fifth-round pick or something like that, um... You know, I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on this guy because I understand he stinks. But, you know, to be fair to him, he's been on, like, two bad teams for, for the last little while, for his entire career now. Uh, like, first of all, the Sabres, I don't even have to, I don't even know what that anymore because, uh, yeah, they've sucked and they sucked for his entire time there. Uh, and the Ducks weren't particularly good two years ago either when, like, when he left. So, and the thing is, he's only 26, right? This is not, not like a 29-year-old, 30-year-old guy. Uh, so, you know, maybe a fresh start. Can do him some good. Um, third round pick, though, you know, a bit pricey. I agree. I don't love it for I don't love the price there. But, you know, the Panthers needed a defenseman, you know, because, you know, Ekblad's out for the season. They want to make a playoff push. And I guess maybe there was a premium on defenseman because, as we mentioned before, there's, like, nobody on the market this year. Uh, so there's that. Is it a great trade? No, not by any means. Um, but, you know, from the Panthers' perspective, I don't totally hate it because maybe he'll be better in – Florida surrounded with, with more talent on a team that actually makes the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I see it as kind of a flyer, nothing huge that they're giving up. I mean, the third round pick, as I said, a bit pricey, but you know, I don't think it's all bad. Maybe he'll be better there. Um, I understand past performance. Isn't the greatest, uh, you know, it's, it doesn't give, it doesn't paint the prettiest picture here, but I mean, if you're the Panthers, there's, I mean, there aren't that many better options, I guess is what I'm saying with, and he's only 26. Yeah, I don't know, man. He's just not very good. And, like, looking at the defense depth, obviously Aaron Ekblad's out for the rest of the season, which is probably the main reason why they felt like they wanted to add another defenseman. Keith Yandel, Mackenzie Wieger, Anton Strahlman, uh, Radko Gudis, uh, even, like, Gustav Forsling, who's been in the lineup quite a bit. And then they, they recently signed, like, a college free agent, Matt Kirsted. They have Brady Keeper in the system. Uh, they have Lucas Carlson, who they just acquired from Chicago. I don't see any of those players as being notably worse than Brandon Montour. Uh, not to mention Brandon Montour. I mean, it's no, I know it's not such a big deal, but he's making almost $4 million uh, a cap hit this year. And I know they had the room to add him. But, you know, what I was just about to say is I'm interested in seeing what the return is going to be for David Savard. And I was thinking, wow, there's a good chance Florida would have been much better off Playing, paying more for David Savard than just this third-round pick for Brandon Montour. So I Twitter searched to see if there was any new details about the Savard trade, and I see an hour ago Pierre Lebrun, uh, or maybe not, it says one H, but it might be less than an hour. Uh, Pierre Lebrun is hearing that the Blue Jackets could be getting a first-round pick if a David Savard trade to Tampa gets concluded, but it's not done yet. It's not official yet. Uh, I mean... That's a hefty price. Tampa, of course, gave up both their first-rounders that they had last year for Coleman and Barkley Gaudreau. That ended up uh, working out nicely because they won the Stanley Cup, and they could very easily do it again. Um, but that is that would be quite the nice haul for Columbus if they get a first-rounder for David Savard. Anyway, any more thoughts on Montour? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm the Panthers, I'm not. I don't want to give up a first-round pick for David Savard. I understand he's better yeah, yeah, than Montour. Yeah. You know, so like, you know, maybe just the market wasn't there. And as I said, like, there's just not many 
good players that are defensemen in this market. And so, you know, maybe you take a like a flyer on a guy like Montour who stinks, but maybe he gets better on your new team. So from that perspective, I really don't hate it. You know, the round pick, it's the deadline, whatever you're going to, you're going to overpay. Um, and yeah. yeah, it's just like, we all thought this was going to be a buyer's market, uh, especially with how draft picks this year are significantly less valuable than in pretty much every single other year. Uh, after the, like the Palmieri trade, we were saying, wow, the devil's, uh, the Islanders didn't really have to give up too much. This is really a buyer's market. And then Florida goes and gives up a, a third round. That's a nice pick, a third round pick for this this really bad defenseman who makes too much money for the rest of this season. Uh, it just feels like there must have been better options out there. Even all the names we were listing off before, Mike Riley. Ottawa would probably love to get a third round pick from Mike Riley, to be totally honest. Or even even someone like. I don't know. Uh, what were some other Jamie Alexiak? Maybe still, maybe not on the market, but like Nikita Zadorov. I might even prefer him to Brandon Montour, to be honest. And you think you're getting Zadorov for a third round pick? Like, I don't know. Like, it's I. I think you. I think somebody's gonna pay more for Zadorov if he gets traded. Um, like, I think third round pick. I think that's what it is. And you're talking about like the draft picks are worth less this year because who the hell knows who's who's what with nobody playing. Um, like, sure, man. Third round pick? Why the hell not? I mean, like, just get some more depth. This guy's got potential. If not, you just shed him at the end of the year. Uh, and you know, like they're trying to win. And you know, given they given this moribund franchise that the Panthers are, I don't hate it. You know, why the hell not? Get go get somebody. Don't pay too much because you don't want to put your future in jeopardy for a team that doesn't seem like it's going to win a Stanley Cup. But you know, why not? Give your fans something to cheer at. And. uh well, I know Brandon Morter isn't something to cheer at, uh, you know. But I mean, you're making a move, so uh, good for you, I guess. Like, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't, I don't think I uh, hate it as much as you do. I, I don't know if you hate it, hate it, but uh, I think I look at it more favorably than you. All right, okay. Uh, well, let's talk about a player who definitely. Oh, by by the way, uh, Brandon Montour actually is in the the one percent uh, of uh, for wins above replacement on Jay Fresh's player card. And let's talk about a trade, another one that happened today, involving a player in the 0% projected wins above replacement percentile. Devin Dubnik has been, for all intents and purposes, the worst goalie in the NHL this year, uh, who's played a significant amount of games. He has been awful. And looking at the Avalanche, I've been saying, hmm, yeah, they're probably going to acquire a goalie. They could probably definitely use... You know, a much better backup to Grubauer because that's been a weakness this year, pretty much their only weakness. But it has been one, and uh, they picked the bad option, Devin Dubnik. Um, they cap dumped Greg Paterin, and they threw in a fifth round pick to get it done. Uh, and man, that you really want to give up a draft pick for Devin Dubnik? Uh, he is. I I don't know exactly his numbers, but I'm almost certain it's a well sub 900 save percentage, and. I know Buffalo maybe wasn't trying to trade Allmark, but I mean that would have been absolutely perfect for Colorado, and or even like a Jonathan Bernier, you know that type of player. There must have been once again better available goaltending options available for slightly more, but that would actually contribute positively to your team. Unlike Devin Dubnik, who once again. I don't see as a distinctive upgrade over your third, fourth, fifth string goalies in your organization. I know Pavel Francouz is injured now, but like guys like Hunter Miska, Adam Werner, Jonas Johansson, are they really that much worse than Devin Dubnik that you have to give up a draft pick 
for Devin Dubnik. I'm not. I'm not too sure. No, the answer is no. Um, I, I don't know what Joe Sakic is doing here. Uh, Devin Dubnik stinks, and he's stunk for two years now uh, with no signs of getting better whatsoever. I, I just looked it up. His save percentage is eight nine eight. All right. Um, I understand that's in front of a bad team. But uh, you're telling me there's no better option you could find on the market? That's completely preposterous. Um, this is, uh, you know, it's not it's not the end of the world giving up a fifth round pick and fucking Greg Pattern. Uh, but it's stupid. I'll tell you that. Um, you're acquiring a bad goaltender, so you know that's not good. Uh, and I mean, if he thinks he solved the goaltending problem, that's even worse. Uh, because well, you know, Grubauer's getting overworked right now, and you know, you got a bunch of scrubs behind him now because Francis is out. And so, you know, I don't understand why they're, you're telling, yeah, so it's like typically, right, there just aren't that, like the goal, like the goaltender market from what, how I see it is a very much a buyer's market because there just aren't that many buyers that are looking for a goaltender because usually if you're going into the playoffs, you've got your goaltending situation pretty set. And so, you know, Colorado's pretty special in that, in that sense. And so, you know, I imagine they could go after really anybody and ask around and I don't imagine anybody else is like, especially these dudes on expiring contracts. If you're, if you're a team that needs a goalie i don't know why you're you're hunting these guys at the deadline it doesn't make any sense so you know colorado i think they could have had their pick uh for whoever the hell they wanted and paid you know not a bad price uh for that and i mean dubnik's the last guy i would go to and he's not even an hl goal anymore he's not an ace below he's like an ahl goal maybe even not he's terrible he's beyond bad and yeah worst goalie in the league probably sums it up pretty nicely I mean, just the, first of all, the fact that Jones and Dubnik were on a team for so long together this year as the uh, Sharks goalie tandem is just hilarious because they both stink. Um, didn't think a tandem could stink that bad and be that old, but uh, here we are. Uh, but not anymore because uh, he's on the avalanche. And, I mean, one name that pops to me is Chris Dreger, all right? If I'm yeah. Joe Sackick, I would have chased Chris Dreger so hard because, you know, we've talked about it. Uh, the Panthers, they have no need for Chris Dreger past this year. I mean, we're talking about Spencer Knight in the system. Uh, who, you know, just signed his ELC, and it seems that he'll be the goalie of the future. Then you also have, uh, let alone Bob, that they seem to be, like, pretty attached to because they gave him that fat contract and they keep giving him starts. So, you know, Dreger has been the odd guy out, despite the fact that he's been playing fantastic. He's clearly been on the, you know, up for trade for, like, the entire time, the entire year. Like, he's been, he's been there. Uh, and if I'm the Avs, that's the perfect guy. A guy who's, you know, fantastic. Uh, you know, he's been a fantastic goalie this year. And... Uh, the cap, it's nothing, basically. And, I mean, I understand it's the rest of the year, but, like, it, it's only, like, he only has this year on the contract. But, A, you could sign him to an extension, or, B, you could just let him walk and, you know, make a run at the cup. And a Grubauer-Dreger tandem sounds absolutely lethal to me, um, especially the way, you know, tandems have been, have become, like, and like uh, in style during the playoffs. Like, that seems like the perfect move. And instead, you get a scrub like Devin Dubnik. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I know the Avs don't have that many picks, but maybe, you know, if it costs like a third round pick, maybe you throw in a second pick in there. I certainly would have minded for a guy like Chris Dreger and the stability he would bring to the backup position there. Yeah, I think this move could come back to haunt the Avalanche. I mean, not only does it make it much harder for them, or honestly, because of Dubnik's cap hit, honestly, maybe even like impossible for them to make any other additions at the trade deadline. But let's say Grubauer goes down in the playoffs again, which is very possible uh, he kind of, you know, he has been injured pretty often recently, the past couple of years. And now Colorado, if Pavel Francouz is back, is probably going to be going with Devin Dubnik instead of Pavel Francouz. And if Dubnik sucks, they're probably going to be much more hesitant to turn away from Dubnik and over to Pavel Francouz 
um, then, you know, if they hadn't had Doomnik, and then they just put Pavel Francouz's, who I would have much more faith in Pavel Francouz, uh, if he's healthy, of course, than I do in Devin Dubnik. So this could actually end up hurting the Avalanche if Grubauer ends up getting injured to be forced, or not forced, but like having Devin Dubnik go in net instead of another option. And yeah, Chris Drieger would have been absolutely perfect. Uh, there are honestly lots of goalies who would have, yeah, that's nice. I mentioned Burn, yeah, you're bringing him back. That would have been great. Or even like Anti Ranta, who I think is like injured now anyway, but uh, what else is new? You got the idea. And the Sharks, people have been talking about the Sharks as like, oh yeah, maybe they could they could make the playoffs. They, they're not totally out of it. They're three points out now of the fourth place with two games in hand. So they're definitely still in the mix. And they were still like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get rid of Devin Dubnik. We'll call up, like, I don't know, Alexei Melnichuk or Joseph Koronar to be the backup. Uh, it, if anything, it'll be an upgrade. Uh, so that tells you a lot of what you need to know about Devin Dubnik. Right, exactly. He stinks. That's what it tells you. And, and like, it's, even if Grubauer, all right, if he stays healthy the entire time, and, you know, that's a pretty significant if, I mean... You're, they're running him into the ground this year. They're playing him way too much because they have nobody behind him. Uh, and you think Philip, uh, you think Devin Dubnik is going to fix that? No, I don't think so. I think he's going to, you know, like, I think maybe even Philip Grubauer is showing some signs of wear and tear, just like in terms of his performance uh, this last little while. And, I mean, look, I understand the team in front of him is fantastic. But, uh, I mean, as I said, the tandems are clearly the way to go. I mean, if you look at the past few years in terms of goaltending tandems that have won uh, the Stanley Cup, uh, I mean, Tampa aside, like, this is this is the way to go. And, like, first of all, Grubauer isn't the kind of guy where I'd be like, okay, yeah, he's my stud starter, uh, no matter how well he's played this year. I mean, I would want that second dude. And, like, it's egregious that they're going with Devin Dubnik, frankly, because this is a team that should be, uh, is absolutely a cup contender. Uh, given the way the roster is built, and I mean, he's doing Sakic is doing his roster a great disservice. He's doing a great disservice by not getting a better guy than Devin freaking Dubnik. Um, yeah, honestly, couldn't think of a worse option. Given like, yeah, you talk about his cost. I think he's over a million dollars, and he sucks. So you know, the goaltending thing moving forward still very much a question mark. And if I'm looking for a, a capable backup for Grubauer, assuming that Francouz is still injured, uh, there isn't one in Colorado. And that's a big problem because, as I said, Grubauer sure looks like he's getting run into the ground this season, given the amount he's played. Yeah. Uh, Dude, Nick's cap hit is actually 2.166667. Yikes. Uh, yeah, which obviously, you know, being prorated isn't actually that same amount. But this, so they, they still do have almost 2 million in deadline cap space according to cap friendly if they wanted to make another addition but the, the other trade they made to Patrick Demeth former Colorado Avalanche returning to them now from the Red Wings for a fourth round pick kind of made me scratch my head a bit too like because they had so much they had a lot of room to add like an impact piece you know they they wanted Taylor Hall, uh, apparently last off season I don't know if Taylor Hall would waive his no moves to go to Colorado but honestly I don't see why he wouldn't and, you know, retain half, you work something out. Now that's impossible because they've used up that space on Nemeth and Dubnik rather than making a run at a more impact player. So, so far, at least, Joe Sackick kind of botched this deadline. Uh, I mean, Colorado could still be fine. They're very possibly still the favorite to win the Stanley Cup or at least very close to the top of the list. But I just feel Sackick, you could be doing a better job. Yeah. Well, you know, I'd pump the brakes a bit. I don't know if I'd say botched. So far, given that we don't know how uh, 
how they're going to do in the playoffs. But certainly, you know, reason to concern, reason for concern that if they do exit the playoffs early or, you know, fail to win the Stanley Cup, we'll be like, ah, but they, especially if Grubauer doesn't play well in the playoffs, we'll be like, ah, they should have should have done more at the playoffs. And then you would absolutely have reason to blame Sackick. But uh, yeah, he seems to be happy. He seems uh, happy to stay put is the vibe I'm getting. And, you know, he makes a couple minor moves that don't seem to move the needle much. I mean, Patrick Nemeth, sure. He's just a guy, right? He'll, he'll, he'll serve capably in your top six, I guess, in the defense. Um, but not much more than that. Uh, and, yeah. So, look, it, it just seems he seems happy with his roster. I mean, I don't totally blame him, uh, given the way they've performed this year. But, I mean, I, I don't see why he isn't being more aggressive, personally. Uh, but it is what it is. And... I mean, yeah, Hall, Hall would have been fascinating if he went to the, uh, to the Avalanche. And I agree, there would be no reason for him to uh, not waive his no-move clause, considering, like, he's made the playoffs, like, probably, like, twice. Uh, so, it's a shame, though. Missed opportunity. And uh, we'll see if it comes to bite him in the ass. Stack it, that is. Yeah, I have a very interesting tweet to re- read here from uh, Brian Lawton, uh, who has said false things in the past, uh, but he does have a blue check mark. And this is from almost an hour ago, uh, and I don't think there's any more news about it, but it's very interesting. It says, all kinds of names floating around, rumored to be going with uh, David Savard to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Add Gabriel Carlson, Nick Foligno, and Michael Delzato to the mix. Strongly suggested to me, there is more than Savard for a first. So, all right. I, I, I think what Brian Lawton is trying to say here is that David Savard, Nick Foligno, Gabriel Carlson, and Michael Delzato might all be being traded to Tampa Bay. <laughs> that would be wild. Um, but, I mean, yeah, look at look at Breeze Boy go, I guess. Uh, clearly, so where is Savard? Who are the other two, Foligno and who? Carlson? Uh, Gabriel right. Carlson. And, oh, wait, 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 Aaron Portsline, uh, who... And this was retweeted by Pierre Lebrun, who I both of them trust more than Brian Lawton says, hearing Gabriel Carlson is not part of the package uh, to Tampa Bay Lightning with Ah. David Savard. May have been mentioned in talks earlier, but not part of final deal. Uh, So, yeah, there's your lesson on don't always listen to everything Brian Lawton says. But, I mean, Foligno, Delzato, maybe they're they're still out there. Who knows? That'd be interesting. I mean, man, Tampa going at it again. Uh, I mean, they're the favorites now, right? They have to be. Uh, to win the cup at this point. And, uh, yeah. I mean, if they're adding even more pieces, and if they're trading their first-round pick, I'm like, what the hell? Why not? Um, I mean, you try to win as many as you can with a score. Oh, my God. We don't even know if Kucherov's going to be back in time for the playoffs. Uh, oh, he will. Yeah. Day one of the playoffs, he'll be back. He no okay. question. First game. Watch. Not not a minute um, before, though, of yeah. course. LTIR and all that. Exactly. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Woof. That, uh, I mean... No surprise there. Could have called it at the beginning of the season, but uh, favorites, not even close. Tampa Bay Lightning, book it. Yeah, especially since Colorado has just acquired Devin Dudnik, which we just spent a couple minutes on. If Colorado had gotten like a really nice backup goalie, that would have made me a lot more confident saying, oh, man, Colorado, uh, maybe they're like right on par there with Tampa. Um, but alas, just the fact that they just have the one. And I mean, to be fair, Tampa kind of just has the one also. Curtis McElhinney isn't exactly anything to, to write home about. But Colorado, if they could have gotten that backup goalie, it really would have been a whole different story. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think we're talking about it's much closer. Uh, I understand Vasilevsky is uh, 
you know, probably the best goalie in the world right now. Um, but Grubauer isn't that. And so you got to like uh, even it up on the goaltending end here. So you have two guys who could potentially steal the show. And uh, now you still have one guy if you're Colorado. And, you know, we don't know what's going on there in terms of uh, how if Grubauer can maintain his level of play. So, yeah. That's that's that. I do not like that move. I would have gone for Chris Jeter. I would have gone all in for Chris Jeter. Fuck it, man. Um, I mean, this is your year, at Colorado. Well, you know, you got you got years ahead of you. But like, this is a year, and if it's a year, my my uh, philosophy is: if you got a shot at it, you go all in. You go all in because uh, you don't know what the hell is gonna happen. So, anyways, uh, so moving on. Unless you have anything else to add on uh, Colorado, we can let Colorado and that yeah. that thing rest. Uh, just one more thing on on Savard. Uh, I've been Twitter searching, looking for updates and things people are saying. Uh, this guy, Mark Shag, I think that's how it's pronounced, who apparently uh, works at the Hockey Writer and I guess wrote mostly about the Blue Jackets, says, David Savard, drafted June 27th, 2009, traded April 10th, 2021. Truly one of the best to ever wear a CBJ sweater. Uh, I just thought that was kind of funny. Uh, just because he's been with them for a long time, that kind of shows how bleak Columbus's history has been. That if if you're part of the organization for almost 12 years, it means you're automatically one of the best players that the team has ever seen. Yeah, I was just about to say that's a, that's a, that's a very sad, sad tweet. If, yeah, if, you're, a black, if you're a Blue Jackets, <laughs> uh, yikes. Okay, so uh, yeah, one last small trade, I guess. Uh, the Leafs kind of loading up. For the playoff push and apparently making some more cap space as they do it somehow uh, with some whack ass wizardry, uh, they acquired Riley Nash from. Uh, oh, you know what? Damn, I just missed the segue. Speaking of the Blue Jackets, but here we are, anyways. Oh, you totally that. missed uh, it. Yeah, yeah, completely blew by. I'm not the segue guy. You are. Uh, but uh, yeah, Riley Nash <laughs> to the Leafs for a uh, conditional seventh, and uh, for the Leafs, they immediately put him on LTIR. Uh, I'm not exactly sure on uh, the uh, cap situation there, but apparently uh, they gained cap space doing that. So that's that's pretty wild. Um, and yeah, conditional seventh, that's practically nothing. And Riley Nash, potentially uh, a depth guy when he comes back, perhaps in time for the playoffs. Uh, one of my goals at some point over hopefully maybe the next few months or over the offseason is to try and understand the cap a little bit better because when something like this Riley Nash trade happens I'm like wow let me wait for an expert or like for cap friendly twitter account to explain to me what's going on here and then I'm like all right I sort of get it and I get that now they get a little more cap flexibility for the deadline and then that's what I need to know I want to I want to be one of those people who can see a Riley Nash trade and he goes in LTIR and know right away oh yeah this is you subtract from the dividend and do some long division. And, and now you end up with like a million dollars extra. And, you know, I want to be able to do that because it's really impressive. Those people who have such a great understanding of the cap, I'm really blown away because it's so incredibly complicated, uh, unnecessarily complicated, I imagine. Um, but of course, Brandon Pridham works for the Leafs, one of the people who helped to write the salary cap. So every time they do a move move like this, uh, Leafs fans, down goes Brown actually pointed out like it's been a really nice change over the past 10 years because now whenever they make a, a trade, down goes Brown is like, oh, I assume they're playing, you know, 4D cap chess and doing something super smart. Whereas in like 2012, they would make a trade and he would be, he would be like, oh, I guess someone just like got their tie stuck in the fax machine. Uh, so <laughs> a great leap in confidence for the Leafs. And not only that, Riley Nash, uh, cause if there is no cap in the playoffs, uh, will probably play for the Leafs in the playoffs. And he's probably going to be the fourth line center. 
what everyone was pointing out is that he is an amazing defensive center, uh, but a total black hole of offense. So essentially, nothing happens when he's on the ice. And, you know, if my fourth line, they go on the ice, if I can be very confident they won't give up a goal, uh, then, you know, that that's not too bad. Yeah, especially given, like, the Leafs, you know, top six. I mean, all I, all if you're the Leafs, all I'm asking for is that, you know, your bottom six just doesn't give up four goals on their shift, you know? Uh, just kind of hold down the fort. And if your guy can be a net zero on the fourth line when you've got, like, you know, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and Tavares up there, well, uh, I'm pretty happy with that. And the fact that they got him for nothing, like almost nothing, uh, as no- as close to nothing as you could possibly get with a conditional seventh-round pick, um, like, that's a, it's a very shrewd move, especially given the fact that they somehow gained cap space, which, yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, I would love to be one of those people who could understand it, um, but uh, I'm not. Um, but, uh, yeah, so very nice move for the Leafs. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're cap wizards. You know, it's one of those things since they have so much money, it's kind of flexing their money here. They can afford to get, to pay these dudes, uh, like in terms of both Riley Nash, so injured people, but also like your Brandon Pridums who can, uh, pull the shit out of their ass from the CBA. Yeah. Here's a funny thing. I'm looking at the conditions of the, the draft pick that Columbus got. The condition is that the pick will upgrade from a seventh to a sixth round pick. If Riley Nash appears in at least 25% of the Maple Leafs playoff games this year, I know this is not going to happen, but just for the sake of argument, if the Maple Leafs absolutely cratered and missed the playoffs, I guess the pick doesn't upgrade, but it doesn't really specify that in the condition because technically couldn't you make the argument that the Leafs played zero playoff games and Riley Nash was present for every single one of them and therefore appeared in 100% of the playoff games and therefore the condition should come true and the pick should be upgraded to a sixth rounder? I guess you could make the argument, yes. Um, but I, maybe if you're making that kind of argument, that's why you're not uh, working for the Leafs cap situation, the Leafs cap war room. <laughs> um, and also, like... Uh, yeah, sure. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll see a very heated war between the uh, Leafs and the Blue Jackets on whether the Leafs will give up a seventh instead of a sixth. Very important stuff here. But uh, yeah, I mean, sure. You could say zero out of zero is 100 uh, percent if that's what you wish to argue. You wish to be difficult like that. Mm-hmm. I do wish to be difficult about that every single time. Any sort of zero divided by zero discourse comes up. You can count me in. Uh, but anyway, I. Uh, <laughs> So one, actually, no, not one more thing. Let's stick with the lease, actually. I'm talking about Jack Campbell, uh, a shrewd pickup for my fantasy team. Uh, of course, he hasn't lost yet this season. Uh, he tied the Maple Leafs franchise record for wins to start the season, 10. He's 10-0-0. It's a very impressive feat. And I will 100% stand by what I said, that he uh, has beaten out Frederick Anderson. I know Anderson's been injured, but I'm pretty sure Freddie's lost his job. And even if that isn't how Sheldon Keefe and the Maple Leafs are thinking, uh, I think they're wrong. If they're like, if if when Freddie is good to go, they give the reins back to him 100%. I think that's clearly a mistake because of how well Jack Campbell's been playing and how well the Maple Leafs have, they, they've won every single game. Jack Campbell's been in net and he has like, like a 944 or something. He's playing Vezina caliber hockey. Not that he's going to win the Vezina, play, play, having played only 10 games so far. But, like, you look at what Jack Campbell's done this season. You look at what Frederick Anderson's done this season and last season, and it's clear which one is the better goalie. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not much to say about that. Like, it's just, uh, 
I mean, he the Jack Campbell gives the Leafs goaltending stability, which frankly they haven't had uh, since I don't even know when. Um, just forever. Because Freddie, for as good as he's been during certain stretches, he hasn't been very consistent, especially down the stretch. And uh, I mean, Jack Campbell has been exactly that. I mean, what a what an epic trade. If you look like trading for him, very shrewd move there last year by uh, Shell, not Sheldon Keith, but Kyle Dubas. Uh, and I mean, yeah, 10 in a row. That's cra- you're, you're crazy if you're giving back the reins to Freddie Anderson because not only, you know, is uh, Campbell doing this well, but also, you know, Freddie hasn't been very good this year uh, at all. So uh, I don't know. Like, I think, like, moving into the playoffs, you're in a very good shape if you've got both of those guys healthy. Uh, and, like, I think you have to start. With Jack Campbell, if, if obviously if he falls off, then you got Freddie ready and healthy in the wings. But look, and you want you know Freddie to be fully healed heading into the playoffs, so you don't want to rush him back or anything. Uh, and even when he is back, absolutely, I agree. I mean, I don't see how you can take the reins away from Campbell uh, because he's just playing fantastic. There's no reason to. And in a, in a league where you know goaltending is you know whatever, uh, it, it, it's up and down. You ride the hot hand. Uh, and especially if like, you know, you're not particularly tied to either of those guys long-term because Freddie's a UFA. So, uh, yeah, I think it's Jack Campbell all the way. I really don't see how you could justify moving to the, uh, to Anderson. And uh, I think if they did, the fan base would revolt. No question about it. (laughs) Revolt. Wow. Uh, speaking of people trying to manufacture, actually, well, this Toronto one actually is kind of a real goalie controversy, but some, some beat writers, or I don't know if you can even call it Haggerty, I don't remember his first name, a beat writer, I'm not even sure what he does, trying to manufacture a goalie controversy in Boston. Because for whatever reason, Bruins fans uh, hate Tuka Rask, and they have hated him forever, um, because uh, he's not Tim Thomas. I don't know. He lost in the Stanley Cup final a couple times. They hate him, and I don't know why. Uh, because Jeremy Swayman, who has been a great college goalie for the past couple of years and has been great in the AHL and great in the NHL so far, uh, is now apparently uh, the Bruins' starting goalie and has leapfrogged Tuka Rask on the death charts, according to some, after two NHL wins and eight AHL wins. Uh, Jeremy Swayman is probably the starting goalie of the future and maybe even as soon as next year. However, to suggest... That when Tuka Rask gets back from his injury, he doesn't go right back to being the starter. Because it's not like he's even had a bad year. Or it's not even that his play has fallen off at all. He's been one of the best goalies in the NHL for 10 years, Tuka Rask has been. He won a Vezina a couple, or at least one Vezina, I think, in like 2014. Uh, and he, his play really has only had a couple short stretches where it hasn't been very good. I don't know if like he fell out of favor from like leaving the bubble over the summer if he did that would be pretty preposterous uh and i have personally no doubt that when tuka rask is healthy uh bruce cassidy gives the reins back to him and isn't it nice that you have three great goalies behind him yaroslav halak jeremy swayman and daniel vladar who you all have faith in if uh tuka rask either gets injured again or falters uh unlike the avalanche you only have one yeah exactly so uh you know your options, having that many options at goaltending is great, especially, you know, at the goaltending position. But, uh, yeah, to think that Jeremy Swayman is all of a sudden uh, the the Bruins starter for the rest for this season when you have, you know, Halak and Rask uh, is completely preposterous. It's so stupid. Uh, and, you know, I don't know what's in the water in Boston, but uh, I, I don't know what this whole uh, I hate Rask thing is about either. Uh, and, I mean, yeah, once he's healthy, 
Rask is healthy. Obviously, you don't want to rush him back. And it's certainly nice to have dudes like Vladar and Swayman, you know, like playing you know, relatively well and keeping them afloat while their guys are injured. So you can, you know, let them fully recover. There's no real need to, to rush him back. Um, but once once he is back, uh, like, look, Rask is one of the best goalies in the league. Um, especially, you know, given the fact that he plays in a nice little tandem. He doesn't have to play as much. He's not overworked. And, I mean, it makes no sense to hand over the reins uh, to Swayman, like, this year. So, this yeah, just, just, uh, just a lot of stupidity going on there. Yeah, go ahead. Jeremy Swayman just lost his first NHL game this afternoon to the Philadelphia Flyers, 3-2. to two. He made 20 saves only on 23 shots or an 870 save percentage today. Boo, Jeremy Swayman sucks. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, there we go. That's 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 the book on Jeremy Swayman. Case closed. He stinks. He's terrible. Yep. Uh, and we don't need <laughs> to discuss it. will never get better. Um, <laughs> it's over. The career is over for Jeremy Swayman. The dream is dead. Um, he had he had the goal. Th- he had the job for two games, but uh, and he lost no it. more. Uh, yeah, there we go. That's it. Um, well, I mean, that's why I call, they call him Swayman because uh, he sways to and from the wow. job. Um, yeah, thank Amazing. you. Amazing. That is a pretty cool true. name, though, Jeremy Swayman. Maybe he's yeah. a good dancer. Especially for a guy who sways side to side as his job. You know, just, he's a good dancer. He's a good goalie. You know, sways, sways, post to post. Fantastic. Yep. Um, Wonderful. Okay. Moving to uh, the other team that participated in the uh, 2011 Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, we have uh, the <laughs> Vancouver Canucks who signed uh, an interesting contract extension. And interesting <laughs> wow. is being very generous. All right. Um, Tanner Pearson. <laughs> All right, I got, that was one of the best segues I've ever heard. Moving on to as if we were like, as if we were talking about the Bruins because they were in the 2011 Stanley Cup final. Of course, that, that's the only reason we were talking about the Bruins. Uh, and yeah, so three three years, three point two five million dollars. Uh, apparently, someone uh, couldn't prevent Jim Benning from signing yet another fucking terrible contract uh, to one of the dudes that he happens to like that plays in the bottom six. Um, just uh, terrible. Terrible, terrible, especially the cap line that they're in. Uh, it's completely baffling that they gave this guy $9 million, over $9 million over the next three years. Uh, freaking Tatter Pearson, people. All right. Okay. Everyone, everyone's beating up on Jim Benning about this. And you know what? As they should. They're, 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 okay, they are correct. Yes, they should. However, I think if most teams sign this contract, in most circumstances, it probably flies more under the radar than it has. That's not to say that, that this was a good decision by any stretch, but the fact that it is Jim Benning and that they do have their two franchise cornerstones uh, to sign this summer probably makes it a little bit more, you know, brouhaha than it otherwise would have been. But I have, I have a couple things. Let's talk about the Tanner Pearson stuff. First of all, Jim Benning, according to him, doesn't he doesn't foresee any cap problems this summer. Uh, it was very nice for him. I wish I could not foresee any problems in my life that are going to arise eventually. Uh, but but luckily for Jim Benning, since he doesn't predict it's going to happen, it won't, and he won't have any problems. Uh, anyway, someone made a very good point because his Tanner Pearson contract was signed the same day Brett Connolly was traded as a cap dump to the Chicago Blackhawks. And they are pretty comparable players. They, uh, with very similar track records, I think they're about the same age. Pearson might actually be like even a little bit older than Brett Connolly. Brett Connolly's just kind of having a, a, a stinker year, uh, but 
by all accounts, this is kind of a low for him, and he may, you know, kind of get back to approaching the level he had been before. If Tanner Pearson, after signing this contract, was placed on waivers immediately, does anyone claim him? Based on the fact that we've seen so many players like Paul Byron and Shane Gostisbehar and Brett Connolly clear waivers this season, I think no. I think I think Jim Benning signed a contract that from day one, every other GM around the league is looking and going, wow, I don't want that on my team. Yeah, and, and, and you know, you make the point that if this wasn't the Canucks and you have a guy like Tanner Pearson and you sign this kind of contract, maybe it flies under the radar. But it is exactly this type of contract that then years down the road, you know, near the end of it, you have to give up assets to get rid of. Or that you're biting, you're, you're kicking yourself in the foot because you signed this contract that's now hampering you in the cap situation. Uh, and I mean, look, this, this, I don't even think it's going to be years down the road. I mean, you could absolutely use this uh, $3.25 million in cap space just next year when you got to sign your dudes, uh, your, your, you know, your star players to the to new contract. Uh, and I mean, I saw another point on Twitter, uh, which was, uh, you know, they let Tyler Toffoli walk. Uh, after, you know, yep. Jim Benning apparently, you know, was so tortured about letting him walk because, oh, they didn't have the cap space. Well, I'll remind you that he's right now, Tanner Pearson, uh, with his new contract, is now only being paid $1 million less than Tyler Toffoli, who's, uh, as we've seen firsthand, an absolute stud. Uh, and so, you know, yeah, another absolute stupidity. Apparently, you couldn't find the room for Tyler Toffoli, uh, who's an excellent top six forward. But you could absolutely find the room for fucking Tanner Pearson, who's a mediocre uh, third liner. Um, so, look, just st- stupidities upon stupidities. Um, it seems that, you know, Jim Benning's got his guys who he likes to sign the contract, and all of these guys stink. So, uh, yeah, just uh, it's one of those things. You know, it's just another move, and you look at the situation for Vancouver, and you laugh at them because that's exactly the kind of thing they do, signing fucking Tanner Pearson to three years and $3.25 million. You really think he's going to get that much better? He's already freaking 28 years old. I couldn't believe it. Uh, and he's going to be 31 when this contract's over. You want to pay him $3.25 million? That's completely absurd. Uh, and to call him a key contributor to the Canucks is also just as absurd, uh, especially when you consider that you could have just as easily had Tyler Toffoli on the wing instead. Um, just uh, completely baffling. Uh, how how does he still have his job? I don't know. Have you considered? Have you considered though that Tanner Pearson is good in the room? Ah, you know, you bring sometimes you're in a room with someone else, and if then the other person, if they do good things in there, they're they're good in the room, and so you need to give them three year contracts to pay them almost ten million dollars total. Uh, Jim Benning knows this. Apparently, you don't. Uh, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that kind, of, that kind of wraps it up on Tanner Pearson. And did I see this? That Jim Benning is apparently going to be getting at least another year after this. Did I see that correctly? I can't. I have, and I don't know. But and I was also pointed out that like the uh, Canucks, of course, getting ravaged by COVID as of late is now kind of like a built-in excuse that Benning has if he's like. First of all, not they don't make the playoffs, which was definitely not going to happen anyway. But second, for not selling off, uh, not selling any assets that they have, the pending UFAs of the deadline, like guys like uh, Jimmy VC or, or, or Jordy Ben or Travis Hamannick or whoever else, uh, was that because of COVID? No one wanted them. Uh, so, so some more built-in excuses for Jim Benning. Uh, he needed a couple. He was kind of running out. Uh, after being, what what was the one he had like a while ago? That was like, oh yeah, we ran out of time to sign Tyler Toffoli. Uh, we forgot about the passage of time, so therefore we lost him. Uh, he was really running low on excuses, uh, and but now uh, 
thankfully for his job security at the very least, the Canucks getting absolutely destroyed by COVID-19 has potentially given Jim Benning another year on the job. Wow, that's insane. Okay, I can't believe it. Um, I mean, yeah, we're just going to gloss over the fact that they were definitely not going to make the playoffs regardless of COVID. Apparently, the ownership group can do that. Um, yeah, well, in life, I strive to have such a such bosses that have such a confidence in me. That's uh, here we go. I have a new life goal. All right. Um, yeah. So, is there anything else we need to touch on for this week before uh, we do our little quiz? Um, I th- I think that we pretty much covered all the stuff that's happened. Uh, so it is time to move on to a very short quiz that I crafted moments before we started recording in an extremely short amount of time because I forgot to do it beforehand. Uh, and the theme of this quiz, which is only five questions long, is Brett Connolly, uh, who was traded recently. Wow. I figured Brett Connolly is interesting enough to make a, a quiz about him. Five questions long. I would uh, disagree. I, I think okay. You would disagree? <laughs> that he's interesting enough to make a quiz on, but hey. I thought you said okay. I thought you said who would disagree. Like no one would ever disagree with you. Uh but anyway, uh some of these questions are obscure. So I think three for five is maybe a nice threshold to do. Four is probably too much to only give you uh one to mess up. So we'll we'll go three for five. Okay. Let's hear Question it. number one. What team okay. drafted Brett Connolly? Oh, I was just reading the article on uh Brett Connolly on a little trade thing. I know he was drafted sixth overall, and I was like, what the fuck? Um, I didn't know that. And uh, I also know that he was drafted, I believe so, if I remember correctly, that it was the Tampa Bay Lightning who drafted Brett Connolly. Yes, you are absolutely correct. One for one. Question number two. Uh, this one's going to be multiple choice. What is Brett Connolly's career high in goals? Is it A... 11, B, 16, C, 19, or D, 22? Uh, okay. Interesting. So can I, can I hear the numbers again real quick? 11, 16, 19, 22. All right. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if you're playing mind games with me. Um, do I go with either one of the extremes or do I go with one of the middle ones? always a tough question um you know the designed to trip you up these fucking multiple choices especially when there's such close numbers as uh they are here so uh i will go with one of the middle ones i think you're trying to huh i'll go with 19 brett Connolly's career high in goals is 22 um he he scored 22 goals with the washington capitals in the 2018-19 season uh so you got that one wrong Question okay. number three. This Yikes. this one will also be, mul- also be multiple choice. Okay. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, so <laughs> one time he was traded before a couple days ago. The first trade of Brett Connolly's career was March 2nd, 2015 from Tampa Bay to Boston. Was the return A, a first round pick, B, a second round pick, C, two second round picks, or D, a second and seventh round pick? Ooh. So we have a first, a second, two seconds, or a second and a seventh, right? Correct. Okay. All right. Do I get to know if it was just Brett Connolly in the trade? Yeah, it was. That was the only piece going from Tampa to Boston was Brett Connolly. And what year was this? 
2015? This was 2015. Okay. So, um, okay, I don't think anybody's fucking giving a first-round pick for Brett Connolly. Ah, okay, so I don't think it's just a second either. I think it's one of the other two. Um, Brett Connolly. I, do, what, what date was it? Do I know the date? March 2nd, 2015, which I think was okay, deadline so, day. Uh, deadline day, yeah, I was going to say. So, you know what? I think it's uh, if it's just Brett Connolly, I think two seconds is about what you would get on deadline day for just Brett Connolly. That is correct. Two second round picks was the return. Very nice. And Tampa Bay used them to draft Matthew Spencer and Boris Kachuk. Wow. Two absolute steals. And that they yep, no question. I have never heard of them. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Question number four. If you get this one, then you win the quiz. How many points wow. does Brett Connolly have this year? One, two, three, or four. <laughs> okay. Um, that this first of all, this is an outrageous question because I am completely unable to use any sort of skill. Um, this is not a skill testing question as it is a guessing question. Um, or or a guessing what you were thinking when you made this quiz thirty seconds before we started recording question. Um, one, two, three, or four. Oh fuck! I, I like I feel like I probably read that in the article. Um, as I said, you know I'm I'm going with the middle. I'm gonna go with uh, three points. No, two points. Two points. I think he scored two points this year. Brett Connolly scored four points this year. Um, impressive. Very impressive. Brett. Two goals. Two goals and two assists. I believe it was. Although I didn't take note right. of it. Let me just right. let me just check that out on the Blackhawks page. Yes, Brett Connolly, two goals, two assists for four points in 21 games this season with the Florida Panthers. So you need this last question in order to wow. to win the quiz. This one okay. is not multiple choice, uh, but I think I think I've you might lost. get it anyway. Especially if you read an article about okay. him. I assume this information was in there. The question is, how old is he? How old is he? Okay. Well, actually. What year was he drafted again? It was a while ago. Oh fuck. I think I think it was like 2010. So that would make him like 30, 31 or 32. Wait, is that root 18 plus if it was 2010, it would have been 18 and 2010, so that's 10, 11 years. So maybe 29. All right. I will go with Brett Connolly is 29 years old. Brett Connolly is 28 years old. I'm so sorry. Oh, uh, he turns 29 on May 2nd, less than a month away. What? But That's not, not fair. I should, you I should get close. the point. No, no wait, you, you know what? I point. should get half a point. I should get half a point for both this question and also the last question. Since, like, didn't you mention he had two goals and two assists? So it's like he had two. And that's what I was referring to. Two. But that wasn't the question. Two. It was how many points he had. It's like yeah, if, but like I, if I, was, you, if, I was close enough. If you ask me how many I fingers I have, I'll say three, and you'll say no five, and I'll say yeah, three plus two. That's exactly what you're saying. Um, so no, but if I had six fingers, if I had six fingers and I had three thumbs and three fingers, and then you said three, I would give you half a point. Is what I'm saying. That's stupid. Well, you know what? Sorry. I Sorry, consider this one a win. 
No, unfortunately, uh, you lost the Brett Connolly quiz. Uh, you went two for five. Oh, um, no. Whatever will yeah, I do. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, it's it's a disappointment for you. Uh, hopefully, it, it will not be a disappointment on trade deadline day when no trades happen. Because I actually think it, it might exceed people's expectations. How's that for a nice segue wow. back to a closing topic? Do you have any final thoughts before we end this episode of Fusion? Uh, no, I don't. I think I think the bar is the floor, honestly, in terms of expectations for this trade deadline. Um, I hope to see one trade where we're like, wow, I didn't think we'd see that guy traded. And then honestly, that would be enough for me. Um, so, you know, that's that's what I'm looking for from here until uh, the 12th. All right. Wonderful. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast. You can follow this podcast on Instagram at Fusion and Hockey Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handles are in the description. And you can enjoy Trade Deadline Day, just like both of us do.